This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Let me say this. We had some people talk to me that, like, they had two places they needed healing. They got in one place, and they were wondering, you know, why didn't God heal the other place? Well, it's the same faith that got the one place healed to get the other place healed. So just keep your faith turned on. Also, I had some people that came uh, upon attack. They might get attacked after last Sunday in the, in the physical body. <laughs> that, that tells you right there, you know where that came from. And we talked about where are you today? You're to take authority. You're to speak uh, to that mountain and, and command it to go. And you don't mess around with it. I mean, you, it's like there was a snake in your house. You know, you wouldn't take, not unless you're a snake whisperer, maybe. But most of us, I, uh, that snake would be overly dead by the time I finished with it. Because I had a snake get in the boat with me fishing one time. And uh, that will change your life. My friend jumped into the lake. He came back out of the lake, back into the boat so fast, he said, I figured there was more in the water than in the boat. I said, you're a nut. This thing's dead. I beat the fire. I was just, I was concerned I was going to put a hole in the boat. He comes up, I'm still going. Stop. I'm not crazy about snakes, but anyway. I am not the snake whisperer. You don't want me getting the snake out of your house. <laughs> Maybe a spiritual one. Okay, moving on. So, you know, it's, it's great to see the healings and all these things taking place and answered prayer. A lot of people have had dreams and they're having uh, visions or seeing things, what God has uh, got in store for us. But one of the things John was saying, be ready, I actually had a dream that we had to be ready for this harvest that was coming. It was going to be so big, so huge. And uh, really what God's looking for is a willing heart. Just a willing heart. And so if you'll be willing... He can give you that grace to, to follow through. But we've got to be ready. This thing is bigger than we thought. And uh, I'll share the dream probably uh, another time. But anyway, uh, I did mention a prayer on Sunday morning. Jerry Branch, why don't you stamp Jerry? Jerry leads our prayer on, on Sunday morning. And Jerry is a... A man of prayer, so really appreciate that. Prayer works. Prayer changes things. And those ones that you've been believing for, for a long time, start praying again. Don't let go. Don't quit. Because God's going to bring them in. God's going to turn them and change them. And bring them in. Amen? All right. Well, we're going to get in the Word. Last week we talked about God glorified when we're sick. 
And uh, if you didn't hear it, just listen online or uh, sign up and get a CD because I'm not going to cover that again. Talked about keeping your healing because we need to keep anything that you get from God, the enemy comes to steal. Just be ready for it. I had one person tell me, well, the enemy, you were wrong, the enemy never came. Well, it took a year later. And he said he woke up with every symptom and the, the same thing they had had before. The enemy will come. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the only reason he comes. But he will come. That's what scriptures tell us. How many when you got saved, the enemy came to steal that? When you gave your, did me. You didn't get saved. He was trying to steal it. I had to put, get the word. Finally, I've confessed Jesus as the Lord of my life. And I'm not perfect. I was looking at myself and not to him. He tries to steal. He'll try and steal your healing. He'll put the symptoms back on you. And you've got to rise up with the authority of the name of Jesus and stand against it. He'll try and steal your peace, your joy. He'll try and steal your marriage. He'll try and steal your kids. He's out to steal. That's what he does. But he can't steal from us if we'll rise up in the authority of Christ. If we'll, we'll stop him in Jesus' name. I mean, we'll stop him in Jesus' name. Say, I found it's easy to get people delivered. It's keeping them free. It's easy, it's easy to get people married. It's the marriage part. <laughs> easy to get people, I say, saved, but then the discipleship part. See, that's what we need. We want both. I'm saying, if you get healed, and you're not going to follow it up with the scriptures and putting healing scriptures in you, you can forget it. He's going to come and steal. Well, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you never spend any time with him, no relationship with him. You're going to be walking like the world before you even know it. You're going to turn around and you're just like you were before. It's a relationship. It's a, it is an eternal relationship with a loving God. So today we're going to look at what about Paul's thorn in the flesh. This is a question that always comes up and it's come up several times. People have asked about Paul's thorn in the flesh. A lot of people think that this came from God. And that's a sickness, and God said, no, you're going to keep your sickness. And we're going to look and see what the Word says, what the truth is. I've had unbelievers talk about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And use it as an excuse. They're not even a believer. I don't know what it is about this Paul's thorn in the flesh. But it's something that we need to get settled where we can walk in that, in that healing, that peace, that prosperity, whatever it is. We, we need to get this settled and get understanding on this. There's some that think that God gave the thorn in the flesh to Paul to, to humble him. Let's see what the Bible says. That's always a good thing. Let's see what the scriptures say. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, it says, Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of, of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, 
a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Now we see here from this scripture that this thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan. This did not come from God. Paul's thorn in the flesh is not from God. Well, that makes a whole lot of difference right there when you realize that this didn't come from God. Because we know that the devil's bad and God is good. So we can, we can have some ammunition right there about what the truth is. But this did not come from God. This thorn in the flesh was not from God. It never says it was sickness. Nowhere in the scriptures that we'll cover. People said God sent this thorn in the flesh to keep Paul humble. Only problem with that is God didn't do it. God didn't send it. Maybe the devil was concerned about Paul's spiritual life and his walk. And maybe he had a committee meeting and said, you know what? Paul's getting the big head down there. I'm really concerned about his spiritual life. Maybe we need to go. I send a messenger. I send one of our angels, our dark angels down there to give him a thorn in the flesh where he won't get the big head in and keep him humble. I mean, believe that. The devil wouldn't do that. Would the devil want to keep you humble before the Lord? Smile to your neighbor. Say, I told you not to raise your hand. Okay. In Acts 17, verse 2, I'll tell you what's going on. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. Paul was preaching what? The gospel, the message of the cross. He was preaching it, and people were being drawn to Jesus. They were getting uh, healed and, and set free from bondages. They were giving their life to the Lord. And the enemy saw this and said, unless we stop this, he will just keep increasing. His, his ministry, the, the message, will increase and go to even greater heights. In order to stop this, we're going to assign this demonic angel to Paul to be a thorn in the flesh to prevent and stop this message. Because this message is dangerous to the enemy. The message of the cross, what Jesus did for us, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Every part of salvation, everything included in sozo, every promise of God is included in that power, in that provision of salvation we got purchased for us and provided for us at the cross. So it all comes the same way. You receive your healing because of the cross. Your prosperity because of the cross. Your peace because of the cross. Your joy because of the cross. It's the power of God unto salvation. When you start making your list of what you've done, your accomplishments, you're negating the cross and you're saying, I'll just do it on my own. 
And on your own, you can do nothing. Remember we talked last week about those in-myself realities? <laughs> In-me realities? In-me, I can do nothing. But in Christ, I can do all things. The cross. Keeping our eyes on the message. So back to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8. says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord... Three times that might depart from me. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And that's where most people think God said no. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, in needs and persecutions and distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Paul took what God said, and to me, he took it a little extreme. He started getting excited about the pressures and the hardships and the, all these things that were coming against him. He got excited about them because he said, you know, when I'm weak, I'm strong. What's he saying? When I'm weak in my view of myself and who I am, I'm strong because my view is on him. I'm focused on him, who he is. And his ability and his grace is unlimited and unending. I'd rather have his strength than my strength. What about you? That's what Paul is, is looking at here. And he gets to the point, you know, my boast is in my infirmities because I want the power of Christ. The word infirmity most of the time is used for sickness. It's true. But sometimes it's not. And you have to take it in context uh, and, and look at the scriptures and get what the meaning is in that particular place. Example would be Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Now the word weakness is there is infirmity. In the King James Version, it, it will say, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our infirmities. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So, weakness is a word for infirmity. What's the infirmity here? We don't know how to pray as we ought, so we get to pray in the Spirit. We know the Holy Spirit will pray through us. But this Weakness or this infirmity is not sickness. It's not sickness. So it tells us that you can have places where infirmity is not sickness. Most uh, scholars that believe he was sick believe he had uh, eye disease. And this is scripture they use, Galatians 6.11. See with what large letters I've written to you with my own hand. These letters... Now, these were letters, you know, when we see the books of the Bible, uh, those epistles are letters that Paul wrote, but we put them in books where we can find it easier and all that. And it says large letters. They think that Paul's eyesight was so bad, he made these large, oversized letters. I don't know what font he used or the size, but I mean... Big old letters, you know. <laughs> His eyesight was so bad he had to write that way. But the Greek, and many scholars agree with this, 
It means quantity or length the letter. And when you look at the length of the letter, and they believe that Galatians and the book of Hebrews, or the letter of Hebrews, were sent together, you see it's a long letter. It puts a whole different complexion on it. There's an, another place where it says when, um, when Paul first came to the Galatians, he said, when I first came to you, I had this infirmity in my flesh, and you would have get, plucked your eye out and gave it to me. Now it says at first, in other words, it was a temporary thing, and also it was the same back then where it said, you know, I'd plunk my plunk my eye out and give it to you. We might say, I'd give you the shirt off my back. But anyway, if you want to say, plunk your eye out, you, get, you look at where Paul came from. Paul just came from a stoning. He got stoned. He didn't smoke anything. He got stoned. I mean, they killed him. I believe he died. They didn't like his message, so they killed him. And it says the disciples got all around him and he was raised up and he walks to the next place. Guess the next place was well, Galatia where he goes, they're going, he said, when I first came to you, I had an infirmity. Can you imagine what he looked like? He just got stoned to death. Yes, he was raised from the dead, but I'm sure he was still bruised up and everything. I'm sure there's some people, that, yeah, here you are, Paul, right here. You okay there? Yeah, I'm fine for a person who just got stoned to death. Yeah, I'm fine. I had to walk 10 miles over here. <laughs> and the disciples go, hey, he was just raised from the dead. Listen to me. See, we get in our, our mind, our, our religion will tell us one thing. And when you look at scriptures, you can pull out and see different, see what the truth is. The scriptures were always taught to us. So in verse 10... Back to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. It says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, in needs and persecution, and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, I am strong. Paul is describing his infirmities. His infirmities were reproaches. What's reproaches? It's insults, it's false accusation, it's slander. It was in needs, the things he did without for the sake of the gospel. Persecution, distresses. Paul considered it an honor, uh, an honor to walk through and face hardship for the sake of the gospel. Paul got to that point to where when there was hardships, he could be, take pleasure in it because he knew the power of God was going to show up. Because he was looking to him. He was looking to the Lord. He relied on God's strength. Now in 2 Corinthians 11, this is the book before 12. And by the way, the book before 2 Corinthians 12 is 2 Corinthians 11. But we only divide it where we can find, as a reference, where we can find things. So it was a letter, and Paul's talking about infirmities there. What these infirmities were. Verse 23, are they ministers of Christ that speak as a fool? I'm more in labors, more abundant. 
And by the way, when you read this, he's, he's facing against false apostles. And, and there were some false ones out there, and he's making his case. I speak as a fool, I'm more in labors more abundant, and stripes above measure, in prison more frequently, and deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Uh, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I'd been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. And weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, and hunger and thirst and fastings often, and cold and nakedness, besides the other things which comes behind me daily, my deep concern for all the churches, who is weak, I'm not weak, who is made to stumble, and I do not burn with indignation. If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. He's telling by his infirmity. Notice the list, there was not a mention of sickness or this eye disease. I was blind. It's not mentioned there. The infirmities, the hardships that he faced. I've had people say, well, God doesn't want to heal me. It's just my thorn in the flesh. I'm like the Apostle Paul. Oh, really? Well, one thing, the Apostle Paul had this dark angel assigned to him because he, he wrote half of the New Testament. Yeah, he got some revelation. <laughs> now, if you're walking that kind of revelation, the, the apostles and the prophets paid a price. Jesus told Paul, said, that there would be things that he would suffer for the kingdom. They pay the price. That's the reason the church is built on the foundation of those prophets and those apostles. That's what we stand on. Jesus being the chief cornerstone. They pay the price. Did somebody tell me the other day, well, the Christian life should be no hardship. I said, go read about Paul. Well, you, you telling me, where are you upset about? And it was something very small they were upset about that didn't go their way. You just want to say, look, you've been a believer for 25 years. Take the thumb out of your mouth. Okay. Number two, Paul's infirmities are all the hardships he suffered for the gospel. Now, the Jewish people, when it was mentioned thorn in the flesh, they knew or had a reference to this in Numbers chapter 33 and Joshua 23. God talked about the thorn in the side and said they were to, Moses prophesied and said, look, when we go into the land, you're to drive out the inhabitants. If you don't, they will be a thorn in your side. They'll be a, a snare unto you. And then in Judges 2, verse 3, when they didn't do this, God said, Therefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their God shall be a snare to you. So Moses' prophecy came to pass. 
this snare or this uh, thorn in the side was never sickness. It was always a reproach or it was always a persecution, people coming against the people of God. It was never sickness or disease. Number three, Paul's thorn in the flesh was a demonic messenger from Satan that stirred up persecution through people against him. You've got to know where persecution and things uh, come from is from people. And we're not to get upset with people because our battle's not against flesh and blood. Guess what the enemy wants you to do? Get upset with people. I never had so much opportunity to forgive as when I started pastoring. I thought everybody loved me. I loved them. And then when God stirred my heart and touched my heart, I just want I just love people. He, put, he dropped the love in me for people. And I just I want the best for them and, and just what? You're upset because of what? I'll never forget the time a guy just gate laid it on me and said, You called my child a kid. And I'm wondering, I called your child a kid. I'm thinking, yeah, it's just trying to register. Kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did say kid. What did you think I said? Kid. My kid's not a goat. Now I had a choice. I wanted to give him a piece of my mind. But I decided to give him the mind of Christ. Because anybody that mixed up about that, I don't know what in the world they'd do. <laughs> so you're going, what in the world? Pastor, I was in the hallway and you didn't greet me. I didn't see you. I'm sorry. All kinds of things. So you, you learn, and you walk in peace. But the enemy wants you to get in a battle against flesh and blood. So Paul later in his life, he wrote this in 2 Timothy 3.2, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Oh, Pastor, I haven't had any persecution. Yes, and all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If nobody around you thinks you're a little off or wonders about you some, and hopefully it's in a good way, what is the peace or is this person in denial or, you know, what's the peace on them, the joy on them? Okay, back to... Verse 8, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times they might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, if Paul was asking for the Lord to remove sickness, I've got a question for you. Is there any place in Scripture 
where the Lord denied anyone who came to him for healing, he said, look, not you. I'll heal everybody else, but not you. I don't believe it was sickness. But, but here's the other side. He said, my grace is sufficient. And there's some that believe it was sickness, but he didn't grab hold of the grace. The grace was available. And I can, I can see that way if you want to take it that way. But I don't believe it was sickness at all. I believe the infirmity was the hardships he suffered for the gospel. It says, therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast of my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Number four, the Lord was telling Paul, you're not redeemed from persecution by giving you my grace to overcome it. He never promised to remove persecution and hardships from us. Trials and troubles. He never promised that. Somehow we get the impression that we get saved and it's just tiptoe through the tulips of Tiny Tim. Never mind. I got to get some newer material. You young whippersnappers, you. Look it up. It's probably on YouTube somewhere. Tiny tip. But we think there won't be any problems. But I found there's probably more problems, but there's more peace. There's more joy. Because there's a grace that's available to me. Hallelujah. Would I trade this life for anything? No. No. But I want you to think about this. If the Lord stopped all the persecution or removed those that were bringing this persecution, there'd be no Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul was one of the greatest persecutors of the church. He came against the church. You remember he had Stephen stoned. Isn't it interesting? He got stoned later. Paul did. He came against the church. He was having people killed because they believed in Christ. If God removed those people, if he removed all the persecution, those people may not get saved because God wants to use you to reach them. He wants your life to be a testimony. If somebody prayed, look, Lord, this Saul, he's persecuting the church. He's killing people. He killed my cousin Stephen. Remove him. There had been no Apostle Paul. What about you and I? Have we ever been an enemy of the cross? You were before you got saved. You were hooked up to the wrong side. Remove them, Lord. That's what your flesh wants to say. You gave me this job, Lord, but remove them. Those are getting on my nerves. Do you know they're not even a believer? I just work around believers. Hey, folks, you're not in heaven yet. You're around that 
unbeliever to influence them. Well, I just can't handle it. There's grace for it. Call upon His strength and get the grace of God. See what the Lord was telling Paul, look, I don't remove the persecution. I didn't promise that. But I promise my grace there in the midst of it. In the midst of the storm. In the midst of the hardship. In the midst of the trial. In the midst of the trouble. In the midst of those talking about you and insulting you. And talking behind your back. Have you ever had that? I had it on the job. People talking behind my back. I came into work, I'd given tapes back in the old cassette days. I'd given cassettes out. I came in one day to my, my desk, and it was a mound full of cassette tapes that somebody had pulled out all the tapes and just put the mountain on my desk. What did I do? I cleaned it up and prayed. And I watched my department one by one get saved. One by one they got saved. What if I had lashed out at them, they would not have gotten saved. Was I perfect? No. I had to go ask forgiveness sometimes. I didn't react right. But the longer you... You, you walk with this, there should be, you're getting those rough edges off. And that, that peace comes. And I, I want to tell you, when we had, when I retired, our, the retirement was like a church service. We had testimonies. We had praise and worship. What happened? I just had enough sense to keep my mouth shut some. You know, sometimes you have to just button it. I've had so many cases, you know, pastor, where I had some inside information where I could have said something to, actually it was to save me, to save my face, but it would have done no good. At one time, the Lord just spoke plainly to me and said, Don't do it. I said, But Lord, I could clear this up. Now, I was clearing my name up because I knew something. The Lord said, I want to use you to minister to them. Button it up. I'll be quiet. Sometimes you don't speak. Because it won't help the situation. But God knows your heart. God reveals himself through us as we continue to love people, forgive them, turn the other cheek, and continue to follow Jesus. What a powerful testimony that is. Because people are watching. People are looking. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Seeking Him first means I forgive first. I choose not to be offended. I'm going to walk in peace. I'm going to walk in love. Period. Amen? Amen? I know that's your 
That's your decision too. That's what you, you want. But when we do that, it messes the devil up. And it causes people's hearts to be opened. Love will open somebody's heart quicker than anything else. The love of God. It never fails. It will do it. But see, when we lash out in the flesh, we're doing that the world's way and not God's way. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul had to agree with the Lord. He had to receive that grace, believe the promise, and then the Holy Spirit would come. He could endure the temptation, the trial, the hardship, the things. He, he's, he's one of my heroes of the faith. When I see all that he went through. He's one I want to go to heaven and say, Paul, man, you set a high bar. <laughs> Something, man. He's going to say, it's the grace of God. And I'm going to slap him and say, I know that, Paul. I'm just talking. <laughs> it's the grace of God. What about Paul and Silas in prison? I'm coming to you in here. Paul and Silas in prison. They're in a horrible place. Because of their faith. They're in a horrible place. And what do they do? They start singing and praising the Lord. In prison. And an earthquake happened. God got to tap in this foot. They were praising God. Earthquake happens. This is a good earthquake. You know there was no damage. Nobody was running for cover because the building came down. Just the doors opened up. And then there was salvation. What did he do? He was saying... Man, it's worth it. I'm in prison, but I'm praising God. Because I know the power of God, because I'm in His grace. And then the earthquake happens. And the jailer and his family get saved. And he goes, man, it's worth it. Paul's five years in, in prison. Instead of getting confused and, and all down and, and, and discouraged, he writes letters. He keeps the gospel going, even in prison. You can't stop a person like this. That's what God wants for each of us. No matter what you're facing, to walk in love. Keep forgiving. Keep that message of the cross influencing people and showing the way that He is alive. It's a great testimony. What about those accusations and falsehoods? See, I tell you a secret of life of joy. If you want to have joy... Is when you're hit the hardest, those hardships come. When those pressures come, just start singing. Just start singing. I don't care what you sound like. God loves your voice. And you know what? We all sound good to ourselves. First time I heard myself sing on tape, I said, who is that? Thought, man, they really have problems. <laughs> that's me. No way, that's me. Hearing me sing privately, I thought about American Idol or something. <laughs> I didn't know it was on tune that bad. <laughs> didn't know. But you know what? My father likes it. 
He loves it. And, and it doesn't matter what the pressure or what's going on, I can just start singing and worshiping Him. And it's like, even if I'm in prison, I'm in bondage, the door opens. And I walk free because of His grace. And that love, that unending love that He has for us. And I know wherever I'm facing then, because of His grace, I can overcome it. So God's redeemed us from sin, but not from persecution. We would never say God has called me to a life of sin. <laughs> He's called us to a life of righteousness. But at the same time, we'd never say God's called me to be sick. Just like you never say God's called you to sin. God hasn't called you to be sick. Why? It was accomplished at the cross. He's already made up his mind about sickness, about sin. You don't work your way through sin, you remove it. You put the blood of Jesus to it. Well, I'm sick for the glory of God. Well, you can be no more sick for the glory of God than you can sin for the glory of God. Let me end with this. Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all, kind, all kinds of evil against you falsely, for my sake, most falsely. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Anybody there yet? I'm still not there. I preach this many times before. I said, I'm not there. I'm, I still haven't got exceedingly glad over the persecution yet. I will sing about it some now. But exceedingly glad, not quite there. I'm working on it. <laughs> Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Oh, now you've gone too far. I was speaking a blessing on them. Remove them from my sight. Get them out of this office. Or the great famous one, get them, God. Get them. Straighten them up. How about, Lord, bless them. Open their eyes to see you and all the riches of your grace and your mercy. Bless everything they set their hand to do. When you start doing that, the blessing of the Lord comes on you. 1 Peter 4.14 If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. You want the Spirit of glory? Listen to this. On their part he is blasphemed. When they persecute you, they're persecuting the Lord. On on their part, the Lord is blasphemed. But on your part, He's glorified. See, when you take it the right way, God gets glory. He's glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, an evildoer, as a busybody, other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God in this matter. And, and where it says glorify there, it means to honor God. To honor Him. Uh, to 
worship Him, to magnify Him. The devil wants to steal your joy. He does it through people. He does it through insults and reproach. But the truth is, when you take it the right way and you choose to walk in love and forgive and release that, God gets glory. And He promises to bless you. How many want the blessing of the Lord? Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank You for Your Word today. We thank You, Lord, that You have not called us to be sinners to, to a life of sin. And You've not called us to a life of sickness. But Lord, You've called us to walk before You humbly. Expressing Your love. Being Your hands and feet in the earth. Influencing others for You. Father, we pray a guard over our mouths that will not speak out what the enemy is trying to get us to speak out in the flesh and attack people because our battle is not against flesh and blood. Lord, we choose the love walk. We choose You. And You don't want to come against those You're praying for. One of the worst things you can do is attack those you're praying for. And some of you need to really watch it. The government's not our answer. God's our answer. And our battle's not against flesh and blood. If today, if I was to ask you, if you were to die, why would you go to heaven? You say, well, I, I hope I would go. I want you to know that the Bible doesn't say because you hope so, you'll get there. You say, well, I believe in God. That's the reason I would go. Well, the devil believes in God, but he's not going. So, well... My parents, they said, I'm a Christian. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says, because your parents call you a Christian, you can go to heaven. Well, I've done some good things. There's no place in the Bible that says, because you've done some good things, that you'll go to heaven. Jesus made it very clear, made it very plain in John chapter 3. He said, you must be born again. What does that mean? It means that you give the Lord Jesus Christ all your heart and all your life. It's more than just saying a prayer. It's giving Him your life. And it says, when you call upon Him, He will save you. You'll be His. So if you haven't made that decision, I want to give you an opportunity right now to make that decision. Maybe you prayed this in the past, but you haven't walked with God. And you need to come back home. You need to walk with Him. The hour's late. And it's not a time to play games with God. You need to walk with Him. And have that relationship with Him. I'm going to ask you right now, lift your hand if you want prayer for that. And say, I need to get saved today. I need to come to Jesus today. 
I need Him today. I'm not been going. I'm going to stop going my way. I'm going God's way. That's you. I want you to lift your hand. Say, today, I'm making the decision to go your way, God. There's one person in here that's supposed to make that decision right now. I'm just going to give you a moment. You can come up for prayer later. But you know, we all come the same way. And there's something about I'm not ashamed. I'm going to come right now. No one looking around. Your heart's beating fast and you're saying, no, no, stop. <laughs> lift your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's all say this together. Say, dear Lord, I come to you. I give you my heart and I give you my life. I believe you died for me. You took my sins and you were raised from the dead. I surrender to you. I'm not going my way. I'm going your way. I'm going to seek first your kingdom. From this day forward, I belong to you. Thank you, Lord, for loving me and paying the price for my salvation. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to live for you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Let's give the Lord thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.